0: Before we begin today's show, I'd like to take a moment to tell you about a new element to the podcast. I'm now officially on Patreon. Have you ever thought to yourself, why didn't Derek ask that question? I know I certainly have. Then head over to patreon.com slash ddiamondpodcast and you'll get the chance to ask the guest of my show a question. You'll also get early access to episodes and a chance to vote on show topics. I'd also like to give a shout out to our patrons, Josh Shinnewark and Tim Spivey. Thank you guys so much for your contributions. And again, if you'd like to be a part of our awesome community, just head over to patreon.com slash Podcast. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast, where every week I take a look inside the world of film and television with those who have lived it and experienced it. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and thankfully I am joined this week by not one, but two guests from the film Don't Look Back, actors Jacqueline Fleming and Jeremy Holm. How are you guys?
1: Hey, good, man. How are you?
0: Fantastic. Now, I was enjoyed you know chatting with you guys a little bit uh, before we started. And I had the pleasure of watching your film, uh, Don't Look Back, a couple of weeks ago. So I'm excited to, to talk about it uh, here a little bit later. But I wanted to ask both of you, because as I was mentioning with Jeremy before we started, this has been kind of a recurring thing on the show since the pandemic hit. But uh, how has the, the COVID-19 ordeal Uh, affected both of you guys individually. Let's uh, start with you, Jeremy.
1: Well, a lot of projects around the house have gotten done, you know, I I (laughs) built a deck and some, some flower beds and I remodeled a bathroom and uh, with my wife's help, she Dawn did a great job on the tile. She's great at tile. Um, And then, you know, a lot of reading scripts. I I was able to finish a movie. I shot for, for a couple days and finished a movie that, that we had, we're working on in February, late February. Um, and then other than that, it's just trying to, you know, get through the day homeschool. I have two daughters, so homeschooling them, and, you know, a lot like everybody else trying to stay safe until we get through this, uh, mess. What
0: about you, Jacqueline?
2: Um, I, I, I think the same, um, You know, I I was like, I can only do so many workout videos. I can only take so many selfies. You know, what am I going to do um, to be productive every day and not go crazy? And uh, so during this time, I was able to, um, you know, I had a, a coaching with young kids that I mentored and I was able to to flip that to zoom and I love it so much better. So actually it'll never go back to in-person. Like I really, um, love, love that interaction over zoom and I can do that anywhere in the world. Um, be able to talk to one of the kids that I mentor. Um, and, um, And then I started, I'm I'm a a part of a a bigger production company. My production company is a baby production company, but I'm a a part of a um, a bigger production company. And I got way more involved um, with the downtime from acting and um, got some really great things that are going on. And then I put myself in film school. So I'll be directing my first uh, proof of concept soon. And so I just been like really busy around the clock. Production-wise, it gave me an opportunity to get really close with my family and spend more time together. And um, that's it. Just, you know, practicing patience and uh, being very productive. Just, just really productive during this downtime.
0: Well, and you both bring up great points in that, you know, a lot of people look at the negative aspects of COVID because we've seen a lot of productions shut down. A lot of the, the bigger budget ones have started back. Uh, but at the same time, there have been a lot of positives that have come mm-hmm. from it that both of you have touched on. You're spending more time with family, learning new things. You mentioning the the virtual teaching that you had been doing, which I, I think that aspect will never completely go away. Like, I think we'll get to a point where we'll be able to do things in person again. But yeah. I think the virtual aspect of it, from teaching to really anything, I think will now forever be an option because this is something that i've you know mentioned on this show too what we knew as the normal from early 2020 you know all the way back it's never going to go back to that way again so i i think as long as we can find you know that that new normal and find a balance of still doing things in person but adding that still safe like virtual aspect. And like you said, spending time with family and learning patience because we're all before COVID, we were all moving so fast. And it was like, you never had any time to sit down and appreciate anything. And now you do. Exactly.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that 100% for sure.
0: Um,
2: yeah, I, you know, the, I, I have to say, though, you know, with with not running like across town or going somewhere to do things in person and now taking it on the internet or on Zoom it allowed me to be so much more productive in so many more areas because i have more time now does that make sense and i and i think i like it and i don't see where um it's not as effective you know of course i want the human interaction sometimes but i'm getting a lot accomplished sitting still
1: absolutely and <laughs> no, also you don't have the drive time the travel time so all that travel time can be then used Mm -hmm. a lot of employers are finding this too and getting rid of their offices so Mm -hmm. you're right some things are going to uh remain from this and and you know i i think we haven't calculated all the upsides because it's so terrible right now but there's some pretty good upsides
2: yeah i think so um Uh you know, it's the devastating what what's happened. You know, with COVID, but um, we do talk about the negative a lot. Um, but there have been some positive that have happened in spite of this horrible, horrible, horrible um, tragedy that we're yeah, it's pretty terrible. It's very terrible.
0: So, well, and I think us as humans, we tend to focus more on the negative aspect of things. But <laughs> uh, but. Like you said, there have been positives from this Mm -hmm. whole thing because we've talked about, you know, in in previous conversations I've had, it seems to be, oh, well, because of COVID, I can't do this, you know, Mm -hmm. indefinitely or, you know, I had to stop doing this. I can't spend time with, you know, my family who live out of town. But, again, the virtual aspect of it, you know, you can communicate with family that might live on the other side of the country still. You can still do things in a safe way you know in this new era, so there there are there are some positive aspects to it and i, I think the slowing down and kind of reflecting have been definitely up there as far as my personal opinion goes but um kind of to go off on some more positive uh topics, what was it that made both of you want to get into the world of acting uh Jacqueline, we'll start with you
2: mm. Um, I don't, I don't even know if I, I had a, a thought about it. I just, I just know when I was a little girl, I must have been about three years old, I saw a commercial on TV and I just wouldn't stop imitating what I saw. And I just gravitated to it. I was bit by it. It was, it, I just don't even know how it happened. It's just like I was born that way. Um, and I, I've, I've just, I've experienced all aspects of acting, whether it's theater or commercials, infomercials. Film, television, you know, you name it. I've been immersed inside of it um, on on all those levels. And it's just something I'm drawn to. It's part of me.
0: Were you in theater before you started doing film?
2: Oh, yeah. I was in theater since the age of like seven years old and um i never wanted to do film or television actually i was a theater actress all the way into my 30s and i did a film with holly berry and she said uh you know it was my first one of my second speaking roles and she was like look if you really want to be an actress you got to go to hollywood you know and i was like i don't i don't want to do that i I just want to do theater i don't i don't want to go to hollywood and get famous or do films or tv and then she was like i'm telling you, you I go to Hollywood, and she's the reason I moved to Hollywood. She just impressed me so much. I was like, let me go see what she's talking about. We were in Chicago, and I co- grew up in New York and St. Louis and Chicago, and I was theater all day, all day long. So um, she's she's the reason I, I moved to L.A. and started a film career.
0: That's fantastic. Do you, um, uh, do you think that the theater aspect of acting ultimately – helped better prepare you for the film side of acting?
2: Absolutely. The discipline and the appreciation and the gratitude for sure. I starved my entire career. I starved even when I got to LA doing films and TV. I mean, I was just a starving actress and um, to, you know, come from the theater where it was a passion. It was about the craft and you didn't make any money and you worked extremely hard and you just did it for the love of the art. That is, that's, that's what's always sustained me in this industry. When I had no food to put on my table or barely any gas to put in my car while I was trudging around doing auditions and trying to work as an actress, the love of it, the craft, the passion.
0: Fantastic. What about you, Jeremy?
1: Uh, it was probably when I played the giant Jack and the Giant Beanstalk in kindergarten. That's probably when it started, and then it just spiraled out of control. No stopping.
0: <laughs> were, were you a giant kid? Is that why you were cast as the giant?
1: No, it's probably, you know, he says the least, and uh, I wasn't the best reader when I was that old. So it probably just like gave me the leftover part, you know. I had older brothers, so they knew I'd have some big shoes to wear. And I think it was really just a costuming thing that landed me that role. But I've been playing bad guys ever since. <laughs> Until this movie, in fact.
0: Yeah, that, that's the interesting thing is that, um, you know, you never know. Uh, you said you play villains for most of your career. Was it. How was it transitioning from, like you said, you played villains for most of your career and then in this current role you had in Don't Look Back, how how was that transition?
1: Well, you know, when you're on the inside of a character, you you don't really have a you kind of have an unbiased um self-relative view of them. So they don't, you know, they don't think of themselves as being bad. They they think of themselves as being necessary and uh excellent you know doing their best having their best day so in that part of it um it's the same it's the i would say it's the how you spin the ball you know you might switch that up a little bit um might make slightly different vocal choices but i'm not super aware of that part of the mechanism it's more a subliminal thing for me, at least in that role, it was, um, and uh, I think that that cops, as I play, I play a homicide detective in the movie. I think whether they're a good character or a bad character, cops are cops, and there's a certain way cops are, and and, um, and you can. I'm like what is he
0: talking about that's not true it's true so would you be open to now that you've played a protagonist character would you be open to doing it more because there have been so many actors who have made a career out of i don't want to say being typecast but playing a villain for the majority of their career would you be open to do more protagonist roles or are you more comfortable being the antagonist
1: i'm i'm more comfortable on set that's so anything that gets me on set i'll i'll be there and i'll love absolutely love um you know i think that it's easier to sell an actor if you know what they've done and you know that's why that those little eddies and fissures get built up into canyons um But yeah, of course, Uh, you know, I always want to I'm in a movie that's going around right now called Silo and I play kind of a he ends up being a good guy in that. So, you know, there are a few of those floating
0: around, which is nice. I like the answer of whatever gets me on set, because I I tell people, yeah, I've worked on a couple of sets and I tell people if you truly love film, television, whatever the entertainment medium is in that field. Nothing beats the feeling of the first day getting to set. There's nothing quite like it and you you know if it's what you want to do very quickly when you're on set because you spend so many hours, some of them good, some of them not so good, but if you love it, you keep doing it and yeah, there, there's there's a lot of waiting. Yes yeah, the the hurry up and wait. Mentality. That was one of the first rules I learned. You know, films a lot of hurry up and wait. You'll set up something, and then you'll sit around and wait. But when it's time to go, you've got to be ready. Just like that. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. So you, you mentioning, you know, you, you mentioned playing the giant in uh, elementary school, or you know, when you were a kid. At what point did you? kind of get your foot in the door is like you're like you're taking this seriously and thinking okay this is what I want to do how do you get into the acting field from there
1: well like Jacqueline I you know I I come from the theater so I I spent all of my 20s and I moved to New York when I was exactly 30 and so then and I was doing regional theater you know and I only then started to do some soap operas and and which is a completely different, like that acting is different than film acting is different than episodic acting is different than, you know, they're all, they all have their own, uh, part of the Venn diagram that they fit into. It's all acting, but they're different, um, spheres of influence. So, um, you know, to, to get into it, you just have to do it and meet people and ignore people who say no and listen to people who say yes. And, uh, um, keep putting tools in your toolbox. And how I did it was I just worked really hard, went to grad school, um, and got lucky. I mean, it's part of its luck.
0: Yeah. It's luck. You know, some call it timing, you know, whatever the the case may be, but yeah, luck and timing do have, um, quite a bit to do with it, but, um, Let's, um, let's talk about the film Don't Look Back, because as I mentioned, I had a chance to watch it a couple of weeks ago. And it's funny because I, growing up, you know, I loved movies growing up, but I was never a fan of the horror suspense thriller genre. Those movies always freaked me out as a kid, and I just could never bring myself to watch out. Have you guys ever watched the movie Leprechaun?
2: Um, I
0: think I heard of it now. So I watched that movie when I was like six or seven years old, and it petrified me. And I stayed away from that <laughs> genre for years. But now that I've gotten more into learning behind the scenes, you film information, mm-hmm. and starting appreciating more genres, I've actually grown quite appreciative of the horror Suspense thriller genre, so I was actually yeah. really looking forward to to watching this. And then when I read that it was uh, directed by the creator of Final Destination, I was excited about that too. And you can and I'm going to stay away from spoilers as far as my overall thoughts of the movie, but you can feel that immediately when when the story starts, and it keeps you guessing throughout the entire movie. And even when the twist happens, you don't really know how exactly it's going to end. And I, I personally thought the ending was really cool. So I...
1: That is great to hear.
0: No, it was... I, I love movies that can keep you guessing. And yeah, you think you figured it out. But then something else happens. You're like, oh, crap. I wasn't expecting that to happen. And then something else happens. You're thinking, okay, well, now the movie's over. And then something else happens at the very end. So I I, I really enjoyed watching it. Um okay. It was nice. it was a lot of fun. I, I very much cool. enjoyed it. So, uh, Jacqueline, how how were you? What drew you to want to be in this film, and how did you get involved with it?
2: Um. Well, my agent called me and she was like, "Hey, I have an audition for you," and you know, it's uh, from the creator of Final Destination, and I was like, "Oh." I like those movies, right? And so I read this the sides. I only got a few pages and I was clueless. I had no idea how to craft this character. I was like, what is he talking about in this speech? <laughs> and I can't I don't want to give anything away in the movie, but that that speech was what was going to land me the job. And I really had to just like try to put as many clues as I could. I begged for the script. My agent was like, no way. They're not giving out anything. And I was just like, please let my choices be right. And um, I think they were (laughs) but um, that I made for the character. But um, it it just seemed so interesting. Just so interesting. And I don't want to give anything away in the movie, but that character I got to play, I had enough To read for the audition, I was like, "Okay, this is gonna be fun and challenging." And this, I can't give anything away in the movie. I don't know what to say. It was just, it drew me in. I had, I had to be a part of it. So I was hoping I nailed it. (laughs) I guess I did. I got the part.
0: (laughs) Well, it's very much an ensemble type of cast because it's about a core group of people and and this isn't really giving anything away because I mean the plots out there but it's essentially about a group of people who witness a man literally being beaten to death yeah. and they do and they do nothing about it and right. one of right. them actually films the whole incident on their phone and the crazy thing is that happened not beaten to death but there was a fight at the mall in the town where i live uh, around the holidays last year and someone mm-hmm. filmed it on their phone and it was going on for like a good three to four minutes before someone finally stepped in and broke it up. So like I instantly thought of that moment when I read the plot of the story. I was like, I'm, I'm gonna be very intrigued by this." but uh, Jeremy, how, how are, what drew you to want to be in this film, and how did you get involved with it?
1: Um, my manager was at South by Southwest and bumped into a gentleman named Andrew Vandenhouten, who's one of the producers of the movie. And we had just done the Ranger, um, and the Block Island sound together. And, um, he, they had this role and, and Jeffrey was, you know, working on casting it and, uh, and it worked out from there. And I'm, I'm so glad I did it. I, uh, when I was getting ready to do the Ranger, um, I watched a hundred horror movies because I didn't know much about them. And so I watched a hundred of them with my wife, Um, which was a lot of fun, weird dreams. And uh, of course, I watched all the Final Destination movies. So I was stoked, just stoked.
0: Well, and those movies kind of reinvented and added like a clever layer to that genre, you know, you, you think of the plot and it's actually very simple, but the way they pull it off is really intricate and complex. And I, I love the little, you know, moments that happen throughout those movies. And what's like I said, on the surface, a very simple concept, but it because of the characters, it adds much more layer to the overall story. And that's something that I think You know, all of you guys did, because that was honestly what stood out to me is how the characters played off of each other, which I think was very important for what the story was, because you have this ensemble group that's all from different backgrounds, completely different people, but they're brought together by this huge tragedy. And then we'll we'll just say things unravel from there. (laughs) Yeah, they do. This This isn't a spoiler, but I'll say this. You guys will get this because you were in the movie, but I love the use of The Crow. Because Mm -hmm. The Crow was one of my favorite movies, uh, especially now that I've gotten older and grown, like, have a different perspective on film. I love the movie The Crow. So anytime a movie incorporates something like that, it is awesome. Like, I, I geeked out a little bit over it. So I I've, I very much enjoyed the movie. I, I really liked it. Thank you. Aww. Good.
1: Coco will be pleased, and Jeffrey will be pleased, and Andrew and everybody. Great cast. They all worked really hard, so they'll be pleased to hear that. So yeah,
2: so, so good. The reviews, like, from people like yourself who've, who've screened it.
0: For sure. So I do want to ask each of you, because I love getting like little behind the scenes Intel, but is there like a specific story, whether it's funny, a cool moment that happened on set that might've stood out to you that you'd like to share?
1: I'll share one. (laughs) So I got, I got, we, we filmed in uh, Baton Rouge and I got there and, um, they picked me up from the airport and they brought me straight to Andrew, who's one of the producers, at a restaurant. And he just started ordering food, and I had to go like do a costume fitting, and I had a scene the next day, and I, you know, and he's ordering like buckets of beer and plates of oysters, and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> we couldn't, we we couldn't eat it all. It was crazy. I'm like, what are you doing? And uh, it was just—I've never seen a producer do that. It was crazy.
2: Welcome to New Orleans. Yeah,
1: <laughs> a, I guess that's what it is.
2: It is. That is a new crazy. thing. I'm generation New Orleans, and that's how you bring it in. Well, in New Orleans. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, but Andrews from the upper upper West Side
0: of Manhattan—how does he know about but, that? I guess he soaked all it, it in. Is,
2: all the ends. <laughs> I mean,
0: he, he just immersed did. himself in the culture.
2: He did. He fit in really well. Yeah, very
0: he's a chameleon. <laughs> yeah, definitely.
2: And that's how they do there. Um, you know, I, I think for myself, the entire cast was just, it was. you know, you're working on this very dramatic, intense horror film, and the entire cast was just so light, almost like comedic. So like Coco, the star of the film, she would always do these little, ah, yeah, 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 these little like, you know, like, faces and you know voices and then Amanda who's also in the film she would just be like you like my baby hair on fleek like you know she had jokes and he threw a fake cockroach on me one day like the whole cast was just even Andrew woezy just just, everybody was just light and fun and Will Stout and Skyler Hart. They were just, they were just cool and lighthearted. Like everybody was joking yeah. and laughing fakes. It was just a great cast, a great, great crew. It was wonderful. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> we went to Mardi we went Mardi Gras dancing one night down on Berkeley. We had like all our- I missed out on one. that one. Yeah, it was just, it was just a great crew.
1: <laughs> they, they don't. They don't invite the cops with you. They they leave those guys. Back. No. <laughs> I
2: was trying to. I was trying to hang myself.
0: <laughs> that knowing that it was filmed in the New Orleans area, that's not surprising because New Orleans is one of the most unique places that I think I've ever been to in my entire life. Mm-hmm. So that's that's awesome because it has such a unique culture that you can't help but kind of get yourself lost in a little bit you know, like you mentioning the the producer who bought all the beer and the oysters that's a New Orleans thing so he, he had his priorities in the right order
1: <laughs> yeah
0: so um, as we uh, as we start <laughs> yeah. to as we start to wrap up here um, what is one piece of advice that each of you could give to an aspiring uh, We'll say actor, since you guys strictly deal with acting. But uh, if someone were to come up to you, say, "Hey, I'm an aspiring actor," what type of advice would you give them?
1: Do um, you have some, jaggy?
2: Oh well, huh? I. Sure. I mean, I've been working with actors a long time. I, um, I own the acting studio and I mentor a lot of actors. And um, I, the, the one thing I tell them is just, you know, they just really have to be passionate about about this. They have to understand what they're doing. Why are they doing that? Everyone has a different journey and a different purpose. And so at the end of the day, I think if you're clear on what your intent is and what you're trying to accomplish, and then you can just never ever take this personal because you have your craft, your art, you know, the work that you've put in, and then you have the politics of the industry. And and none of it makes any sense. There's no rhyme or reason. And talent doesn't always win you a job. So I mean, at the end of the day, it's so political. Now that I'm on the other side producing, I I look at things from a producer standpoint, even when I audition for things. So it's just... it's just there's so many variables in this so love it love it and be in it for the right that's it and be patient
1: yeah i i, I the, the other thing that i would add to that is something my brother told me when i was probably 16 17 and my brother's an artist he's a sculptor and uh, he said I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to do it. And he he just said, Jeremy, it's easy. Just act. And he was right. You just got to keep doing it and put in uh, what Gladwell calls the 10,000 hours. Right. You got to spend time. You've got to be around different people. You've got to learn from every situation. There's something to learn. When when the subway stops, there's a lesson to be learned. When the country shut down, there's a lesson to be learned. There's always a lesson. And even if you're in a bad situation, if you don't get the part you wanted, seeing the lesson in it is the one way you can continue to get the most juice out of life. Is that enough metaphors?
0: No, I love it. I'm a big metaphor <laughs> fan. So, no, that's perfect. No, it's it reminds me of a, a saying I heard a while back, that you mentioning how to keep doing things that repetition is the mother of learning. So you just, you keep doing it. And like you said, good or bad, there's a lesson to be learned in everything. If things work out great, if they don't, well, you just take what you can from it and you move on to the next thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah be grateful and be, be humble and be kind to everybody. I'm telling you cuz if you get out there and say you snob the person on set who's doing catering, maybe next year they're the producer. I mean, you should be kind to people anyway, but really this business is insane. Just be humble and kind and nice and grateful. That's it and you'll go a long way. And you know, great.
0: Absolutely. And finally, is there any website or social media that you'd like to plug so the listeners can follow you? Go ahead, Jackie.
2: Um, well, you want to follow me on Instagram? <laughs> um, on Instagram, it's my name. I am Jacqueline Fleming and Jacqueline is J-A-Q. No C j a q u e l i n e and my last name fleming so i am jacqueline fleming and it's the same thing on facebook and twitter
1: i can't i'm gonna go follow you jackie actually i already do
2: i'm following everything jeremy
1: (laughs) um i'm gonna post that one picture
2: oh i'm about to post it too
1: (laughs) um uh, Jeremy S. home at, at uh, Instagram and uh, Home Jeremy on Facebook, and uh, you know, I, I actually think get get off your phone. You know, L- walk around a park, listen to this podcast, walk around a park with your mask on, smell it, smell the air, smell the tree, look what a look at the fall leaves. Like, do some of that; it'll be good for you.
2: And then pre-order uh, Don't Look Back on iTunes
1: <laughs> Friday. A week from for, October, I don't know when you're going to air this, but October 16th. 13th.
2: I think it goes to iTunes. You can pre order it as early as October 13th or the 15th. Pre One of those two days. And then the, we're at the drive thru's across the United States. Don't, don't look back.
1: Drive thru. But I don't know. look back. Look forward into the screen.
2: We're waiting for them to, to let us know, give us the list, but we're Whatever it is, we're going to be there. We're going to be we there. With, be the, there.
0: That's right.
2: There with the fans.
0: <laughs> Watching Don't Look Back at a Drive Through would be awesome. It's, I can't. And, wait. and I, so scary. I oh, for sure.
2: If it's in Vegas, bye bye. I will be in Vegas. Like, if it's in New Orleans, wouldn't that be cool if it was in New Orleans?
0: That's a great oh, idea. They, I mean, they should do that.
2: New York, I'm coming. It doesn't matter where it is. Chicago, I don't care. I'm going.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, well,
0: I'll in see New- you. In New- I hope it's in New York. I'll
1: see you in New York.
2: Yeah. That would be so cool. <laughs> yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Be sure to check out Don't Look Back, which drops October 16th. This will actually air October 15th. So as soon as you listen to this podcast, go pre order <laughs> it and watch it because it's a good movie. Guys, thank yeah. you. Thank thank you so much for taking the time to do this podcast. It was great.
2: Thank you.
1: You're welcome, (laughs) and thank you, man. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank
2: you, Jack for writing such a great movie and directing it. Thank you. We love you. Thank you, (laughs) puppy.
0: And if you want to follow the podcast on social media, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at D Diamond Podcast. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcast, Spotify, anywhere you can get your podcast for free. Also, thank you to my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, for providing the theme music for the podcast. You can check out all their music on Apple Music, Google Play, and Spotify. That's going to do it for this week's show, so enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here next Thursday.